Water Podcast. Welcome everybody, here is Martin Riesler, your personal water sommelier, you obviously know me, and we have another episode of A Water with, and we're going today to Peru. I'm very, very excited, I have to say, like, I haven't had this water before. Today is the premiere that I'm drinking this water, so I'm extremely excited. I didn't drink water for the last 24 hours that I'm really getting excited. No, I'm just obviously kidding. I'm a water sommelier. I should drink water all the time. But yes, today in the morning, I was drinking my regular half liter, what I'm always doing in the morning before I'm even getting up. But then between that and now, I haven't drink anything. So I'm very excited to really taste this incredible water from Peru. But first of all, before we're going to Peru, we're not traveling so far. We're going just to Texas right now to my co-host, Michael Masher, who loves to sit in Texas, eating incredible steaks from Texas, um, drinking amazing water from all around the world. And I'm getting jealous every day because I want to be so badly with him in Texas, but I can't because we cannot travel. Hello, Michael to Texas. Good morning, Martin. Has been a long time, no, no talk, so I'm happy we are connecting again and, and, and doing this. Yes, you should definitely come to Texas, and it's exactly like you described Texas. You know, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you so, were on the water, I saw, huh? Michael, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, one of the reasons I'm down here is, you know, I like fly fishing, saltwater fly fishing, and, you know, don't tell anybody and listeners don't tell anybody, but it's one of the best areas for saltwater fly fishing in the U.S. here. So that's the, that's the cool thing. So we can finally go underwater again with, with COVID and catching fish. So that's, that's the fun living down here or one of the, the funs. But I'm also very excited to do Sokosani. And Martin, I hate to do this, but I need to correct you. You will remember the water. You actually drank it. Both of us were in Ecuador in 2018, two years ago. And this was actually one of the waters in the competition. It won a, a silver medal. So I'm sure you will immediately recognize it because it, it has a, a, a lot of characters. So we are revisiting a an, an good old friend here. That's, and, and I like that you're saying this, Michael. As a water sommelier, I'm really trying to remember all the waters I haven't drunk in my life so far. I like once I try to like write everything down what I drank so far and I think I'm like around thousand spring sources right now what I had to discover in my life so obviously I apologize I'm so sorry that yes I had the water than obviously before and I'm now even more excited to revisit the water because I actually forgot I just want to be honest I'm not bullshitting around I'm an honest guy so I forgot that can happen even when you drink a lot of water but I'm very excited to revisit now this water. And now we want to say hello, hello, hello as well to a very special gentleman who wants to tell us everything about obviously this incredible water. Hi there, how are you? Hello from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, Atlanta, Georgia is not really in Peru, huh? or is this my geographic now even missing? So what's no. happening? Well, I'm Peruvian, but actually I live uh, here in Atlanta for the last five years. But it's actually true that you're going to drink that water for the first time in the U.S., right? I love that you're helping me. Huh? My new wingman, Michael, I don't know what happened to you. Huh? You used to be in a regular base, my, my safe point. Huh? And now, obviously, you drove me out of the bus already today. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. So tell me a little bit about the water. I would love to know a little bit more. Yeah, so actually my story with the water goes probably back 25 years. So I was working in early 2000 in Peru. I'm Peruvian as well. Um, and I was working for Procter & Gamble at that time. I was uh, in charge of the, uh, on the commercial side of the launch of Pringles, the chips that, 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 that were actually getting into Peru. And uh, my mission was to get a distributor. Uh, for some reason, they told me we would love to have a, a beverage, but uh, for some reason, well, it couldn't be Coke or Pepsi. So I was looking for a, for a regional uh, ally, and I found uh, this nice distributor, uh, uh, or actually company, because they, had, they own their own uh, distribution in, south of, uh, in the south of Peru, which is called Sokosani. So I actually traveled back and forth, uh, met the, uh, the, uh, the owner, and I think he was the uh, grandson of the founder. 
So we got into an agreement, but then we were actually working at the office, right, at the, uh, the corporate office. And he said, hey, Oliver, okay, good. We, we are into a, 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 you know, we're about to sign the contract, but to do it, let's do it in the fountain. And I said, oh, gosh, okay, we need to travel uh, and, and about, about two hours into the mountains. And I said, okay, let's do it, you know, for the sake of the contract. And then, you know, I visited the fountain and I just fell in love with the water with the whole process. I, I couldn't imagine how pristine, how pure, how different it was that, that everything that I knew before. So that actually, uh, uh, you know, stuck in the back of my head. And then, uh, um, you know, after that, uh, shortly I, I was hired by Coca-Cola in, uh, uh, to leave, and actually left Peru to live in Costa Rica to manage Central America for a while. Uh, actually, I thought it would be a two-year journey. I spent it up uh, 11 years in Costa Rica, two years in Colombia, and now five years in the U.S. So it's been a while. But again, uh, after my, my journey in Coca-Cola, I thought about, uh, you know, bringing um, new waters. Uh, and I actually founded a company to, to uh, like an incubator of brands. And the first brand is Sokosani. And to your question about the brand, it is very, very interesting because everything starts at, a, at one of the highest volcanoes in the world at 20,000 feet, perpetual snows. I think it's like the 10 tallest uh, uh, volcanoes in the world. Um, so again, the snow melts. It goes underneath the, uh, the, the valley, actually not the valley, the mountain and then the valley. I think the, the, total, the total route underneath the ground, it's about uh, 25 uh, kilometers, about 16 miles. Uh, it takes, we roughly estimated that it takes at least 150 years of natural filtration underneath the desert, because I don't know if you, oh, you actually live in California, you know, the, the, uh, all the west is basically a desert, you know, in the, in the north and the south. And, uh, and it pours naturally at 7,000 feet. So again, 20,000, 7,000, 25 miles, um, 150 years. And it actually comes naturally from the wall of the mountain. So you'll see the drops coming in. And I need to send you a video about that. So then what they do is they collect the drops and the flow into pools, they took out the debris, and then they put it in the bottle. That's what you're drinking. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. And we're so used that water comes out of lush green areas, right? But if I remember the picture correctly, this is, you know, semi-arid desert, right? It's, it's very dry. And then suddenly you have this oasis of, of water. So I think that makes it very, very interesting. That is correct. Actually, it is an oasis because it is a desert. And then you see a, a spot of green, right, where the bottling plant is there. And actually, it's been there for 116 years now, since 1904. Who discovered this water, do you know? What yeah, Marcantonio Vinelli. He was a, pharma a pharmacist and, uh, that, you know, an Italian descent that used to live in, in the south of Peru. And he was horseback riding with uh, his daughter. Uh, in the in the mountains actually uh just you know for fun and they you know became thirsty and then they saw this water coming out of the mountain so they went you know take a glass or whatever a container they drank it and i said hmm, they actually taste good and uh so he took some samples packaged them sent it to france to a lab there and they you know when they did the analysis they said oh this is a fantastic water you need to do something with it so he actually uh, uh put a plant there and the rest is history. So is this, a, this an important big water in, in Peru? Is this someone everyone would recognize? Especially, so, so they have a, 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 yes, especially in the south. Uh, so you, you will see them as, as the mineral water in the south, uh, uh, all the Andean region and the south of Peru. And they're getting back to Lima, which is the capital, since the last five years. So they've been increasing and it's being recognized as the premium water of Peru. So, you know, like Peruvian cuisine, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, up and coming lately. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the fanciest restaurants in Peru, uh, uh, just Astrid Gaston, with the, uh, with the iconic uh, uh, Peruvian chef, just uh, included Sokosani in their, uh, in their menu. So, yes, so they are up and coming and they are, they are considered the premium water of Peru. I like this when you, when, because a lot of people are always saying like when they see me with water bottles at Petit Etage or like on my videos and they're always saying like, 
oh my God, Martin, all this fancy waters, what you have. Um, sometimes I'm always saying, it's not that fancy. It might be fancy in the country where you don't know them. When we're going actually into the country, like for example, a great example is Vichy Catalan, who is super fancy in America, but it's like the regular, you will find that water in every gas station in Spain, like normal water. And I think this is, I don't want to say this is like a gas station water, obviously now. No. But I mean, like, people are more recognized, obviously, about the water in Peru than here in America. It's the same with Gutic, what we had in Ecuador. What an incredible, amazing water. For me, it's like one, one the, the sparkling water is very, very, very unique, very interesting. Uh, for me, yes, it's very fancy to get it here to the States. But when I came to Ecuador for two years ago with Michael, and we were driving down the street, you were so good to get everywhere. So it's so interesting that sometimes we think something is extremely fancy when we don't know it. And I think that's a very important for the consumer to understand too, that all this waters, what we have and what we're discussing might be not always extremely fancy. They might be very fancy because they're special additions, but in the country where they're coming from, it is just the waters, what the locals are drinking. And this is the way it should be done. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big provider of local, of local food. I think it's very important, and local beverages is very important. So local water, I think, is great for daily hydration. Correct. So that's great. To, to your question at the beginning, uh, I think there's a still, and I think that's global, an education component in terms of explain to consumers and people that premium water that comes from the mountains, you know, pristine from a source, is different from processed water. And, and, and because then you get into the shelves of a, of a supermarket and then you compare the prices. And if you don't know about what's behind, you will not be willing to pay for the difference, right? So that's, that's a big challenge all over the world, of course, in Peru uh, as well. And I think they're actually doing a fantastic work on actually elevating the category uh, in Peru as well. Yeah. Is, that's what we're trying to do here with, with Martin and, and myself and all the people around us. We're, we're trying to elevate the category and make people aware. And I think, you know, if you have seen any video of Martin, <laughs> processed water, natural water is a big, is a big thing for him. And he, he, he makes his opinion known very well. So yes, we, we totally agree with that. But I want to go back what Martin was saying before about for me, this is almost like a little bit of a frustration. So, and Martin has probably the same thing. We tell people all about these great waters. We tell them you should have this water, match it with this food and this and this. And we, we lay out a landscape for them. And they say, yes, please, I want that. And then they ask us, you know, where can I get it? And we have to tell them, I'm sorry. You know, this is a special import. You probably cannot get it. And we've seen this with Martin did a water tasting video recently on Netflix, which, you know, lit the category on fire. And everyone was asking, where can I get the waters? Where can I get the water? So what we see is the consumer out there, they want to have different and new experiences. And right now, in between is unfortunately this... Uh, logistic distribution problem that can only be uh, solved at scale that does not allow the people to actually have access to the to the waters and to, to the many different experiences they want because the waters are not yeah. available. I agree. But, but good that you actually say that because that's that's the mission of our company, trying to bring small good brands of the world into the US and distribute them across the entire US. So for example, to your question, where can I get Sokosani if I live in California, if I live in uh, Oregon or whatever, um, you can buy it from Amazon. So right now you can actually go there and you can buy it from Amazon or from our website, you know, sourcebottle.com. And the intention is to, to start building the distribution network inside the US so we can actually reach out the Horeca uh, you know, the restaurants and, and the, for sure the uh, natural channel and the grocery channel. And because we have the bottles in front of us and you see you have the, exactly the same bottles in front of you, are they only available in PET or do you have a glass version as well? Currently, we have only PET in the U.S. So we have one liter and the uh, 500 ml, so about 16 ounces and 33 ounces. 
and we're working to bring the uh, the glass bottle, which probably you remember. This is the one that uh, they have in Peru. It's a very nice, iconic, wow. elegant water. That looks great. So this is common. Actually, 355 ml is what they, they uh, uh, sell in Peru and what people use in fine dining. Uh, and you will know and in the US is different. We will need the 750 ml. That's what basically is the standard. So we are working with Sokosani to bring into the US a special uh, a glass bottle, same shape, uh, for 750 ml. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we will have it by end of March, early April next year. That's great. Beautiful. So what is the middle composition? Because I looked a little bit about the bottle. And first of all, and this is very important for the consumer and the listeners, does, I love when water companies actually putting down what's in the water. Not so many water companies oh. are doing this, but I'm a big advocate and I would love to change the law at one point, and hopefully Michael will support. Oh, I know Michael will support me. We just have to do that at one uh, at one point. Um, I think it would be way better for the consumer in America when, like in Europe, they have to label down as well the mineral composition of waters, not just the nutrition facts, because mostly it's zero. There is no fat. There is no sugar in water, except it's called vitamin water. Then it's actually a soda. That's not a water. So, guys, when, when I talk about vitamin water, that's clearly for me a highly processed soda product and not a water. I have no clue how they even allowed to call themselves water. It doesn't look like water, doesn't taste like water, and has 120 calories. That's just insane. Huh? Like, this is nothing water-related whatsoever. Anyhow, this water, it's like our Sony, when I look at this, Look at here, the camera, you will see nicely they're putting down what's actually in there. And this is for me incredible, like silica 180 milligrams, what is extremely high. Yep. Unbelievable high for, for a water who has 108 milligrams of silica. That's incredible. Magnesium 89 and calcium 140. Do you know the total TDS of your water? Yes, a little over 1700. Wow. Okay, yeah. now I'm getting excited here. And my listeners always know, because I'm a big advocate, this is something to do with my European background, that people maybe understand this a little bit better, why I'm always like, whoa, 1,700 TDS. I'm getting excited about higher TDS waters, because these are considered in Europe like mineral waters, and we are growing up on that. So it's for me, like my, my family, my history of that when I was drinking water as a child was always high mineral content waters. Therefore, for me, it's kind of like when you, when you once had high mineral content water, you don't go back. It's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like that. Uh, I obviously appreciate a low TDS water too for certain dishes, but on my palate, I love to discover obviously a little bit more broadness of the mineral compositions because it will make it easier to recognize a water for me. So 1,700 is quite high. And that's fascinating. I see there's two versions, a still and a sparkling version. Is yes. this a still source? And then it's you're adding the carbonation artificial to it. That is correct. But it's okay. just small bubbles because we don't want to destroy the, uh, the palate. And you know about that. It's like champagne bubbles. Okay. A couple of things, uh, uh, so where you're saying, probably it's, it's one of the few still waters that, have, that is high in mineral content. Like normally you will get up to 200, 250, because it then is too strong in the palate, but this is actually very smooth. So you're actually drinking a 1700 uh, uh, TDS uh, mineral water on steel. And now I remember, even before, because when you said 1700, then the silica content of 108, I know, Michael, we discussed this in Ecuador. And we were fascinating about it that a water who has such a high mineral content can actually taste like that. And that was, I think, our most interesting part. And that's obviously the reason why I received the silver medal for it, because it's quite unique. And you just said it right. And Michael, you should say something to that. It is very unique to have a still water in such a high mineral composition. Yeah, it was really unique. And yes, we talked about it. We were both fascinated. And there are very few around that have that high, you know, and that still 
a nicely and drinkable. So when we taste them later, you know, they suddenly, they have such a, such a character. And again, we also like the low ones, but for, for us, you know, maybe the European background, it's this high TDS still waters are very, very fascinating because they're very rare. And I, I couldn't believe when I connected with Oliver a little while ago, and he told me that Sokosani will be in the US. I thought it, it's, it's a dream because we have another water that's in that kind of category, you know. Uh, it was called Aquilif, now three bays from, from Australia, and which is really fascinating because there's just the Pacific Ocean between the two waters, right? So it's almost on, on the mirror side of the, of the Pacific is another water with this very high um, TDS. So I'm, I'm very happy we have the water here. We will be doing a lot of very nice, you know, pairings with the water, and I can't wait to get this into an Epicurean context. And I think we should try it. Or are you already trying it, Martin? Yes, I'm already trying it because I was too too eager now to do it. It's like it's like some. It's my my dirty little secret. I just wanna I just wanna tell everybody, it's tough to be a water sommelier because I just want to drink water all the time. It's I, I water and I always like want to discover it and and it's very interesting. So the water. In the first zip, you can tell right away there's a lot of minerality coming along. This is like, is this, there's more going on in your palate right away than the. The interesting part is in the beginning, I thought they're bubbles, but they are not. Um, yeah. but it, it feels almost like this. What you, when, when you would drink a sparkling water, you have this slightly acidic effects right away in the beginning due to the carbonation. Um, your water has the same. It has like slightly acidic notes in the beginning, I think, but they're like mellowed up right away. And then the whole water very broadens up the whole palate. It's like a very, very broad on your palate. The acidic level, what I detected in the beginning is gone right away. It's just on the tip of your tongue. And then there's a lot of movement in your palate. And then in the aftertaste, it really lingers very, very, very long on your palate. Yeah. due to the mineral composition. Um, it's quite fascinating. It's very creamy in the taste. Yes. The silica, I would guess. Um, it's, it's a fascinating water. And I, I know exactly now, now I remember everything because it's, we had a big discussion about it because I could not believe when we talked about it that this water has a TDS of 1700. That was for me just like unbelievable. Yes, and you're right. And I think it's the balance between the silica that outbalances the rest and actually makes a really good combination, smooth, that it doesn't have an aftertaste, but actually you can feel that it has a personality in your palate. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But what I noticed, I think I agree with Martin. So immediately you drink the first sip and you notice it's heavy, right? You notice there's something there that has character, there's yeah. lots of things there. But what I find fascinating is if we drink uh, high TDS sparkling waters, because of the carbonation, they usually have an acidic pH. You know, it goes down to five for Perrier and into the very low six. This seems to have a much higher pH. I think it's 6.5, so it's getting closer to seven. So that removes a little bit what Martin also was saying, this acidity level. And again, a long, long lingering kind of oily, creamy, um, sensation for, for a long time. This is a full arc and circle, right? It's really beautiful. And it's really fascinating. I had the same thing when I drank it. I opened a new bottle. I just got this from Oliver. And in my glass, I actually see a couple of bubbles on, on the bottom of my, my glass. So I don't know if, there's a, if this is oxygen or carbonation, but I see some, some small bubbles. Do you it's see like a natural, small little bit of carbonation, a natural carbonation, just tiny. Just I think bottles as well. Um, like when when you when I had the two closed bottles in front of me, one of them, the blue label, you see there there are clearly bubbles on on the surface. Yes. You know, one, on the other one, you see bubbles too, but they are super tiny. So I have a feeling, yes, what what you just said, maybe it's oxygen or maybe very tiny carbonation level natural occurring from the spring source. Because you said, yeah, I think it's carbonation. At the volcanic areas, you have a lot of CO2 nestled still in the grounds. 
Yes. And it's totally normal that a water can rise with a slightly carbonated effect to it. I, I think so. Too. I think it's naturally carbonated water because of the volcanic activity below. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very gentle and you're not boosting it because many other places, you know, where they have natural carbonation, they collect the carbonation and put it in the bottle again at a higher level. Yeah. But I think what we're drinking here is probably natural carbonated water at exactly in the same composition as it comes out from the source which again is a really really interesting point for this water i can see very tiny bubbles rising up on the glass as well like when you're looking into the water you can see like very very small little floating bubbles coming from down and going up so yes you're right the one thing that i need to uh, to correct you michael is that the ph level of the water is 7.4 Wow. that's what we're sensing. Yeah, that's what that's that's all we're sensing because it's very very seldom that you get this high TD, high TDS waters with uh, with a neutral or in this case you know um, yeah alkaline. What about the uh, the uh, um, pairing with food and wine? This water is perfect. As so I was talking to a uh, to uh, to a friend of mine, which is a, a, a French. Uh, a chef, a Michelin chef, the uh, the bicarbonates that are high in this water actually cleans your palate totally. So you will actually appreciate the next meal or the next wine much better. Yeah, I can see that. For me, it's also fascinating because it's a still water, or I, I would almost call this effervescent, or if there's one level below effervescent, because it's it's actually not still. Mm. And you know, maybe later on we can talk about the positioning of it, but I would almost position this as a natural carbonated water in its natural state, a kind of a, a raw carbonated water, effervescent or something, make it clear it's actually still, but not quite. And for me, this is fascinating. I'm thinking of the Pacific Ocean. You know, the, the ocean in front of Peru is very cold. So the fish have a lot of fat. So I would love to have, you know, kind of, you know, I, I know we, we're not supposed to eat sea bass anymore, but those kind of fish that have a very high fat content, this you know, glistering white fish, which doesn't go with the low minerality waters because it doesn't stand up to it. I mean, this one would be stunning for exactly those kind of dishes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's interesting that actually you, you pick the seal first. So you want to go for the purest one first. Normally people will go for sparkling on high minerality, you went for the uh, for the seal. We are, we're always in the tasting, and this is like what I'm doing on like what I did Netflix and what I'm doing to all my water tastings at Petit Hermitage. I just did three three water tastings for the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, I ha uh, it's always fascinating that guests are coming to me now to Petit Hermitage and they want to do water tastings with me. So I had three of them, and we're always starting. I'm talking to my to my guest over there. And I'm always saying it's kind of like a wine. You're starting with white wine, then you're going to heavy red wines in a tasting. And this is the same for me. I'm starting always with still waters because your palate runs then on the still waters and it's easier to distinguish between two different still waters because when you're adding the carbonation right away, there's too much going on. And from a sparkling water, then going back to a still one, that's pretty tough. Yeah, um, right. So I'm trying to always start with still then go to sparkling. So and especially that, uh, uh, you know, here in the U.S., a lot of the mineral waters, the, uh, the well-known brands, has like big bubbles that will, to your point, it will be too much in your palate to appreciate them uh, still. I agree. Correct. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, I, I'm more and more convinced that it's natural carbonated because I have a little bit left in my glass and I can still see the carbonation, even in this little amounts here. And... As you know, when carbonation really stays there for a long time, it's because it's natural carbonation. The water is really used to the carbonation. If this would be artificially carbonation, most likely the carbonation is already gone, especially in lower TDS waters. So fascinating. A raw, this, the only other water I can think of is Canal Royale, which has the same idea that they bottle the, a natural carbonated water with exactly the same amount as carbonation without adding any additional natural carbonation. So it's fascinating. 
So I went to the Sparkle one already. I open it. You can see clearly as a consumer that this is open now and you see the bubbles very nicely appearing on, on the glass. Um, I poured myself into my tasting glass and I haven't tried it yet, so I'm going to do this right oh. now with everybody. Tell me about the bubbles. I know you like them. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. That's incredible. So the funny thing is, everybody, when I opened this bottle, it was like, whoa, there's like a lot of bubbles coming up. And I thought like, okay, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be the Gerald Steiner of waters. It's going to be like heavy carbonated. When you drink it, you barely feel the carbonation. Correct. Mm. We actually appreciate the bubbles. They actually, they, they go with everything that is going on. It's not too big, right? Yeah. It doesn't it's not too big. It's, it's, it's almost no bubbles. You, if you drink this with eyes closed and your ears closed so you don't hear the bubbles, you would think that's a water that had had some bubbles a long time ago, but it feels more like texture. I have a layer of texture mm -hmm. in the water and not these individual bubbles that hit the, the, the tongue. So... I absolutely agree with you, Michael. Um, it's, it's quite fascinating. It's more like a texture sensation than a bubble sensation. It, it's, it, it gives the water a next level now to, to, I would almost say like to bring it to the next, yeah, to the next level. There's like, there's another texture layer now above, above the still version. But again, like when I would not know that I have a sparkling water in front of me and I would have closed my eyes and I didn't know and somebody would just give it to me without seeing that the bubbles on the glass right now. I would maybe said like, okay, this is like a still or maybe a, a very low effervescent water. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I, th I think what we're experiencing here is the fact of the, the high TDS and the reaction with low amounts of, of CO2 being injected. If you do the same amount of CO2 in a low minerality water, let's say around 100, you have a completely different water. So you would feel the bubbles much, much more. I, I also really don't sense so much the pH shift in the water. I don't know, we should, at some point we should measure what's the pH in the carbonated water, but it still feels not so much acidic. It still feels alkaline, this softness. And that's, that's um, the character of the water, a high TDS water, even with carbonation, gives you a total difference. So two beautiful experiences in a restaurant. And I would love to do many, many pairings with food. You know, you have a very famous Peruvian cuisine and chefs. So I think this could be a really, really good tool in the toolkit of every restaurant, working with this very unique experiences in, in, in water. This is very hard to find in, in, in water. It's very unique. Thank you. Actually, uh, uh, we are going to Miami in a couple of weeks to talk to the, uh, the you know, main Peruvian restaurateurs and chef there uh, to explain about Salkosani and share them, you know, the good news that we're here. Michael, because you said earlier about three base slash Aquilife. Um, that this is like 1,300 TDS is still water and it goes in the same direction. Um, their sparkling water is the same. Huh? Like it has very tiny bubbles, very effervescent, and I really think it has something to do with the middle composition. The high TDS water with the same or like with a small, small amount of carbonation added will taste and will have an effect totally different than a low TDS water with the same CO2 added. And that's, I think, like, that's my takeaway today from, from this season. Um, it's quite interesting to see this really engaging that the higher the TDS goes, the more finer will get the bubbles, I think, when you're, when you're trying to impulse bubbles. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Remember, we had a, a show, and you can look it up, it's, it's Petra Svidago. We had Antunes, a geologist, on from, from Portugal. And he basically told us, if waters have a lot of minerals in them, the CO2 has much more 
surface to hold on to and integrates totally different than in the low TDS waters. And I think this is what we experience in here. And it, it's so unique because usually we don't get high still TDS waters being carbonated. Even so, we just found out probably that it's actually not a still water, that it's actually a, a naturally carbonated water with very, very low carbonation, which is stunning. That's very interesting. And so, yes, to, to, to your point in terms of the, uh, of the whole experience, if you notice, it doesn't have an aftertaste. Like, you know, one of the, uh, like if you drink a Perrier Pellegrino, you'll get an aftertaste high in your palate. With this one, it will actually go really smooth and you will enjoy whatever is left in, in, your, uh, in your palate. Yeah, and we, we don't mind aftertaste. You know, it's not good or bad having an aftertaste, but it's just different experiences. But I agree, this one has a very soft, round, round arc and, and uh, I think a bright career with chefs that know what they're, what they're doing and integrating this into the, into the menu offering. Because people sit at the dish and they think, oh, I'm getting a glass of water. And they make a sip and they realize they're not drinking a glass of water, they're drinking a very, very special water at that point. Yep. So you, you told me already you can, per or like here in America, you can purchase this by Amazon. Do you know the price point for the consumer? So right now, a case of that one, uh, 12 units, it will be $39.99 in Amazon. Uh, the idea is to get parity with Fiji at some point. But for that, we need the volume and the distribution. But that's, that's, the, uh, that's the objective. And hopefully, we can get there sooner than later. Like if you buy Fiji uh, uh, online, you will pay like something like that, like $38, $39 for, uh, from their website, right? Uh, so that's where we are right now. But the idea is to get to a dollar fifty nine per bottle. That's great, because that's a great price point for this very, very unique and incredible good bottle. And I love that finally we're getting, and this is what Michael said earlier already. We're so happy that we see now smaller brands, like what we consider smaller brands. Maybe in Peru, obviously, it's not a small brand, but smaller brands on the U.S. market or on the global scheme of water companies that we see finally other companies bringing more attention to it as well because again it's so boring and and mike and myself running the fine water academy and we are certifying water sommeliers from around the world and one in the assignments is um can you please showcase water menus from restaurants in your area and obviously <laughs> most of the time there's no water menus in place whatsoever but you will find always the same usual suspects of waters on the water menu. It yep. does not matter if you're living in China, Russia, Europe, or Peru, it is Pellegrino and Aquapana. It's yep. kind of like the most boring options now in my, in my opinion. They are not bad waters, don't get me wrong. They are both spring source waters, but um, it's kind of boring to always have, it doesn't matter where I am, always the same source waters, and I don't understand that. It's the same when I go to, to Napa Valley, why I should drink a German Pinot Noir in a restaurant? I want to drink a Pinot Noir from Napa Valley. When I'm going to Chile, I'm interested in Chilean wine. When I'm going to Germany, I want to have my amazing Riesling. So it interests me that I can detect Mother Nature's product and the passion of the people and the culture in that country. So for me, it doesn't understand why I think I should drink an Italian spring sauce water in a restaurant in Peru. It doesn't, it doesn't really understand. I, I don't understand that concept. And then especially I don't understand the concept when the chef is saying, oh, it's all locally sourced. Like he's so proud of everything is locally. He's providing locally sourced food. He knows the first thing of his two cows and everything. What is great. I love this concept. But when it comes to the water choice in this restaurant, it's mostly imported water from Italy. Hmm. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't get this idea behind this. And this is for me almost like it drives me nuts. I, I, I have yeah. no clue who came up with that idea. Obviously, I know who came up with that idea. People who make shits a lot of money on, 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 on people. Um, but I'm a strong believer of drinking local and, 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 and yeah, discover the nature of that local source. 
And when yeah. I a restaurant, I don't need to have a water. Especially when you are at a restaurant. I'm sorry. Especially when you are at a restaurant, right? Because you are looking for experiences and looking for different tastes and, you know, unique things. And then the water is a commodity. It should be something bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. And Martin has so much experience with showcasing how a water menu can become a revenue center for a restaurant or for a, for a hotel, you know. I think 100 to 400, maybe 500 percent is possible in increases in sales for the, with a water menu, and people still don't do it. I think, again, I know what it is. It's people that don't have passion for food or wine. They only have a passion for the spreadsheet and the little number that's at the bottom of the of the spreadsheet, and they making the decision what the consumer can drink or what is the choice of a consumer and I think if it's only San Pellegrino and Pana it's really not a choice it's a dictatorship because that's the only one you can get so I think we need to change that and I think you know <laughs> Oliver agrees and Martin and I are trying to do this for a long time is really shaming restaurants into getting rid of the no choice policies that this is what you have to drink and implementing a policy that allows you to choose your water in the same way that you choose your wine and your food. And what yeah. you just said, Michael, like, um, it's, it, yes, it is a dictatorship when I'm going to a restaurant and the only water choice is tap or some Pellegrino and Aquapana, I feel overruled by the F&B manager. Sorry, but I feel like something is off here. You have options, you have thousands of options on wine, you have options on your food, you have options on beer. You have options on liquor, but when it comes to water, our most important beverage, we should actually put way more passion to that than to everything else. It's just the usual suspects. And, and you said, Michael, yes, there are people who love spreadsheets. The crazy thing about the water menu is it's not just about giving options to your guests to create moments that people are taking actually pictures of the different waters they are drinking. It's great for social media or they're taking pictures of the water menu. When is the last time a, a person took a picture of a bottle of San Pellegrino Aquapana in a restaurant? I haven't heard that for quite a while, but at my restaurant, they're taking all the time pictures, but they love the options. Plus, it's a revenue center. So the person who would love the spreadsheet would actually love the water sales. Because everywhere where we implemented a water menu, the water sales going up like crazy, like literally like crazy. And we're talking about at least 50% more sales in water by themselves. That's just unheard of of everything when you're implementing something that something right away doubles in sales, sometimes even three or four times more than that. So a person who does not believe that a water menu success is an idiot. I'm sorry, but I'm very, I'm very clear to that. It's just an idiot. So that we are clear on this and amazed. And it's clearly for me amazing that Michael and myself are pretty much the only people in the whole United States who are creating water menus. There's one more person out in Florida right now who's trying their best, but I, was, oh, I haven't seen that water menu yet. So I'm still, I'm still debating if they're actually a water menu in place or not. Um, but that's the reason, like, I don't understand the concept of ads all the same. I agree. Well, the only thing is that there, there is a gap in the market, right? So the distribution, so to get good waters across the u.s you need the distribution system you need the sales people and that's what we're trying to do here in, in source to bottle trying to build that network for small brands to get to the right uh, uh you know horeca and and supermarkets so that's yeah. you you get an ally here and trying to change that here in the u.s yeah we, we're really trying to change this but i think so i think martin your official title is food and beverage director right yes so I've talked now over the, even over the past couple of weeks with a couple of food and beverage directors for big, you know, hotel chains. And the conversation was absolutely frustrating because you, within two seconds, you realize on the other side is a person that has no passion for food and no passion for beverage. So my question is, I always thought that the food and beverage director is a really a knowledgeable person that loves food, loves beverages, and loves to bring experiences to their clients. And what I'm learning is they have no idea about food. They have no idea about wine. 
I mean, they know their spreadsheet and where to get things the cheapest. And if they're concerned about something, then how does the bottle look like? They never ask, how does the water taste like? <laughs> how does the bottle look like? And you're a food and beverage director for a major, major chain. So what's wrong? I'm sorry, Martin. I don't want to be too over the top here, but what's wrong with food and beverage directors? Do you have any insight? It's almost like the same when you would, when you would, when the food and beverage director, or like when you are car, a car person, when you are a car salesperson, it's the same effect. When you are a car salesperson, you're working for Porsche. What is for me considered, because I'm German, I love Porsche. Everybody knows that I love Porsche. For me, one of the best cars ever built. So when you think, oh, the look is great, but you're putting a Prius engine in there. It's the same concept. When you're a car salesperson, you need to be excited, obviously, about the shape, about the dynamic, but obviously the most important thing in a car is the technical aspect, the engine, how, like, how this engine goes, the torque onto the street. This is like what we want to see. And this is what I'm always seeing in the restaurant business. It's amazing when they have a great bottle and it looks amazing and all this kind of stuff is great. In the end, what I'm always saying, it all counts what I have in my glass. Because this is the product I actually want to drink and this is the product I'm going to sell. So, for example, Bling H2O from Tennessee, I was never, somehow, I was never interested in that water because I know it's just about the Bling stones on the bottle. The water in there, I have not even clue where it's coming from. I think it's even purified. I have a feeling. Something like from Tennessee, something purified. Anyhow, so for me, it was never an interesting water. There are other waters with diamonds on it. I think it's a re remarkable and fun and amazing, but I still want the great product inside. And I think that is the issue now these days with food and beverage directors, that what, what Michael just said it's all about the spreadsheet. It's all about how can I be more efficient in my cost of goods? And what I always saying, so I'm not depositing percentages to the bank. I'm depositing money to the bank. So even my cost of goods are incredible. That does not mean I'm doing a good job. Because when my sales are suddenly just like, let's say $5,000 per day, and my cost of goods, because I'm a, such an incredible, amazing food and beverage director, they're 30%. Okay, that means 70% goes into the bank. But maybe when I would $10,000 in sales on a daily basis, but my cost of goods are just 40%, I'm still putting 60% 6, of the 10 grand into the bank is more money than 70% of the 5 grand. And I think that is an issue what a lot of food and beverage directors don't realize anymore. They're yeah. so concerned about the cost of goods. It's all about how cheap can I buy shit? And this is then shit in my belief. How can I make, how can I make, yeah, shit lot of money with shit <laughs> for no price and don't even think anymore about the moment the consumer, what he actually wants. It's completely gone. And that's one of the reasons I realized in my life that I had to quit one position as well. I, I did it because I realized the company was that big suddenly that I was not in agreement anymore of the leadership of that company. And then I realized, you know what, Martin, I cannot do a good job for them and vice versa. I don't feel right anymore to work for this corporation. I'm a very individual driven person. I love to motivate myself. I'm not a person who likes to sit with 500 other managers in one big room and then one person tells me that we are all amazing it's just not me i cannot motivate myself by that there are other people they love this i'm very individual that's the reason maybe i'm a water sommelier because i like to be different than wine sommeliers um and that's the whole point so therefore i think for big corporations for people who work in the fmb department let's maybe re re start to rethink actually your job and start mm -hmm. to realize what your job actually is. And your job is to create moments for your guests, to make guests happy. And yes, by this, when these two things been, 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 been done, then you can think about the money aspect. But just I'm think good. first money, then guest, yeah. this will not work in the hotel and restaurant business. And you will lose one day.
love it how you describe and position that it, yes it's about your consumers and the experience you uh you know generate for them right yeah. I, I like the fact Martin, what you said they should become experience managers and they should manage money but they should be what what they produce should be experiences and not a bottom line right now they're bottom line managers and they should become experience mentioned i still think they also the casino movie and they all want to have the same job as robert de niro in casino being the food and beverage manager they think this is glamorful but it's a really really disconnect and i think those big chains doing and, and those big corporations doing their guests a disservice by putting people at the gate as the gatekeepers to those experiences in there that they themselves have no experience and no intention of having an experience and no vision. I think it's it's really a pity. And let's put it on the list of things we have to change, Martin. Yeah, and, and let's face it, we saw this in so many other industries. Um, that suddenly some, some industry like Nokia phones, it's a great example for it. They were so big, they were the leaders for many, many years. When the iPhone came out, they're like, Apple. And then Apple drew this little iPhone. Yeah, and then five years later, they were pretty much done. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the same problem with big corporations in the F&B department. They're so big that they don't even realize anymore what actually their job position is. Like, again, in this old hotel and restaurant chain I used to work for, for many, many years ago, I will not say name because that's not fair, um, they suddenly changed their whole concept of, like, they're like, what is our concept of our, of our company? And they change it to, we're here to, like, to help or to, to create something for our, and then consumer. So, and that is a very, very rush word. Consumer, you have in retail. In the hotel and restaurant and hospitality business, we have guests. So when a big hotel chain not even knows that anymore, so the basic of that fundamental thing, that was the first thing I learned in my hotel and restaurant business in 1994 in my first meeting with when I was an apprenticeship with 17 years old, the first thing what my owner of that hotel said, Martin, two things are very important. We have guests, not customers. We have guests and we're greeting them all the time when we see them. So these are the two essential things in the hotel and restaurant business. When a guest comes to you, you are the person who says first, hello, welcome. Yeah. Or good morning, good evening, good afternoon. When you know the name even better, then you will say the name. But to, to ignore them, and you see this in many hotels as well these days, the hostess desk is like this. They're like trying to be actors, um, polishing their fingernails, drinking water, and you almost feel like an embarrassment as a guest who comes over there like i am so sorry i have a reservation you always apologize already that you're disturbing them in their daily whatever they're gonna do it should be the other way around yeah. but it's very very strange that the hotel and, and restaurant business there are a lot of wrong people in that in that business in my opinion they should be better in retail i agree but let's get back to what i forgot to ask i had a little note here is there a particular meaning to Sokosani? Is it a place name? Is, what does the word Sokosani mean? It, it's a, uh, an origin denomination and it's, an, it's you know, part of the, uh, the uh, native um, language. I don't know exactly the meaning, but I know it's, it's about the volcano and about the river. Fascinating. And I still have little bubbles in, in, in the water here when I, when I drink it. Hey, I, I want to go back to, uh, to a question you made and I didn't answer about the mineral composition because I'm in love with the mineral composition in terms of the health as well. Because it, it actually, it tastes fantastic in the combination, but the particularities of the mineral composition is fantastic. Like you were saying, Martin, that uh, it is really high in silica and silica is well known as the uh, beauty mineral, kind of, because it actually promotes naturally promotes collagen in your body. So it's actually good for your hair and name on skin. Actually, it, it, it has more silica than some of the, uh, of the uh, beauty supplements that you can buy in beauty store, which is crazy. And this is totally natural. And if you're drinking it through water, your body will absorb it better than a supplement. Yeah, because it's from nature. Your body runs on mother nature. It's the same. And it was a big topic from the Netflix sequence. There was a 
um, um, a health person reached out to me and said, Martin, there is no municipal water. This is completely insane what you're saying. And the, the calcium and magnesium you can find in these waters are so minimalistic. There's not even a, there's not even a proven science to even that it has an impact maybe to your body, nothing. And I said, like, did you actually ever Google it in your life? <laughs> and this person, like, what? He's saying, we have over 100 municipal waters in Germany, water brands, who are falling under the medication law. And she's like, what? He's saying, yes, we have that. Because you don't know them again. Like, you don't know doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So, and that is a problem. And that a person who, is, who considered herself in the medical industry and not have a ever heard about that water used to be actually used for medication back in the days. And we still have people going to the spas and spa towns all over Europe for the healing powers of these waters. They're tearing themselves on that by their doctors. It's not just like that they're doing this for holistic reasons. They're yep. doing this because the doctors are recommending that. So it's quite fascinating for me that here in America, it's literally lost in translation whatsoever when it comes to minerals and water. They're all thinking there's nothing in there. And again, thank you so much, Smart Water and all the purified water companies who are making billions of dollars on the American consumer to scam them, to sell them filtered, highly processed tap water in a bottle. That's the reason why people think water should be pure, there should be nothing in there, because they're listening to crazy commercials on TV and they forgot that actually water should come from a remotely natural occurring source where your food should come in from as well. I don't want to that my food is coming from a factory. I want that my food is growing actually on a field. Um, it's very right. and funny that you say about the medicinal properties because Sokosani used to be sold as a as a as a medicine at the beginning in pharmacies because it was good to heal the especially the stomach. That goes to the second big one, bicarbonate. So you get two types of bicarbonates, right? The sodium bicarbonate, which is very, very uh, well known very used uh, in, in, in cuisine, etc. And then you get the calcium bicarbonate, which are more rare. This one has both, but has a lot more on the calcium bicarbonate. And this it is the, the nature's most potent antacid that you can get. So it's like way better than an alcohol to use when you are eating. And, and, it's and it's natural, right? It comes from a natural source. It's not a pill you're taking. And we all know water can be a really good vector for those minerals and, and trace element and really, you know, help you with the wellness. So fascinating. Thank you so much. Exactly. And then the, the other one that I like a lot is the magnesium. Uh, it has about 11% of your daily values just from a bottle of water. And that's also good for your immune system. You know, it's, go it's also good for your sleeping. Uh, so it's actually a, a sleep inducer. And you know it's a stress reliever as well. So all that you are getting in a in a in a bottle of water. You know it's actually and in a water form that is actually better for your body to absorb. Yeah. Rather than yeah. taking supplements. I will be drinking a lot, and hopefully my hair will grow back. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Michael, I think you look great. <laughs> so don't worry. I think this whole hair thing just just forget it. I think it's amazing what you're doing like that. <laughs> no, I like to the end. Um, I just put myself again the sparkling version, and I was able to drink it like that, like a still water. And I didn't have to burp whatsoever. So you can see how really tiny and how effervescent this water is, even the sparkling version. So, my recommendation America, get on the Perun bandwagon and get some waters to yourself. It's a very, very good water. Um, we should talk a little bit about distribution at one point as well, because I have some visions as well about distribution for California. Maybe we can help you a little bit here with this incredible water. Okay. I Wonder love it. Good. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening in. And oh my God, I like again, what, what kind of water sommelier I am, huh? Like I'm drinking water and then I'm always leaving an empty glass in front of me. And now I wanted to cheers with everybody again to the end. And I didn't have water. What a problem as a water sommelier to, to running out of water. Obviously, I won't because at least I have 50 gallons of water surrounding me here. What is nice, Michael can, Michael can showcase it always. Michael, what do you think? How many gallons do you have at home? 
I have no idea. I still count in liters, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Me actually too, but like, it's at least 50 gallons, I would guess, what, I've, what I'm seeing right now in front of me. What is always important, because here in California, first of all, it's very warm, and second, we have earthquakes. Sometimes you should always have some water with you stored. Very important, actually. Anyhow, for all the listeners around the world, thank you so much. It was a great episode with a great Peruvian water. And, you know, drink real water from nature. Forget this purified stuff. This is for your car batteries and for your machines. But you're not an engine. You're a human being. And that's the reason we love you. Cheers, everybody, to the world Cheers. of amazing water. Prost. <laughs>